Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome and me, two guys at a mic show, talkzone.com. Thank you so much, folks, for joining us here on a uh, not-so-lovely Tuesday in the fine city of Chicago. We got little residue Tuesday, lots of football that we did not get to from yesterday's uh, scintillating Monday show, and got a lot of baseball to talk about. We got uh, the whole Ozzie Guillen thing with the White Sox. We got the Steve Bartman ESPN documentary on tonight. And uh, we got wild car races that continue to heat up, so we'll sneak a lot of baseball conversation in as well. Big Dong and the Coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. The award-winning music of the TalkZone.com, arguably, very arguably, the highlight of our particular show. Listen up. Ladies and gentlemen, his first off week on Beat the Schmoes. The big dog had a great weekend. Had a great weekend. He was just off on Beat the Schmoes. He went one and two. By the way, as, as David Olson kills the music here, by the way, uh, uh, big dog, we did have an uh, emailer. Emailer Glenview Rick aced the test. He went three and oh on Beat the Schmoes, our second winner of the year. His name goes in the hat for the prize drawing. He picked Glenbrook South over Evanston, actually went high school. He okay. picked uh, Northern Illinois University over Cal Polytech, and they uh, covered the 15 or 18, however much they were favored. And he also picked Green Bay over the Bears. So congrats to our good friend, uh, at least he used to be our good friend, Glenview Rick. How are you, he Big Dog? Green Bay over the Bears? Yes, well, he that, did. That's just a joke. I yeah. mean, really, you're a Bears fan taking the Packers. You deserve to win. That's I disagree with that completely. You could still root for the Bears and... Um, if you have the feeling that the Packers are going to win, make your, it's called beat the Find Schmoes. Find another game. Find another game. That's it's, what I'm saying. It's not beat the pros, my friend. It's beat the Schmoes. Hey, well, with beat the pros, I could see picking, you know, with your head. Okay. But to be a Bears fan and to pick the Packers in a game in something called mm-hmm. beat the Schmoes when it's just for fun. I mean, I mean, I know there's money in the end of it, but yeah. still. That's a good point. That's actually a good point. By the way, coming up in a little bit, uh, Big Dome, one of your favorite contributors to the show, uh, Pigskin Boy, is going to check in. You and him can wax poetic on uh, Chicago Bear football. And a little bit later in the show, Rusty Silbar will be checking in on the uh, Ozzie Guillen story. By the way, by sheer coincidence, I mentioned it yesterday, I went to the White Sox game last night. Yes. You know, I was, I've, I've talked to you about this before. I was given tickets like three months ago from a guy I uh, coach his son in basketball. And he had uh, real good seats, and uh, you know, and we've had yes, David. And it turns out to be a historic game. I don't know if I'd call it historic, but yeah, I did. Yeah, it, Boy, it, 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 it was the most important game of the season for the White Sox. Nah, let's not yeah, get carried was. away. Yes, it was, Coach. Historic. Ozzy's last game. Ozzy's last game as manager. Yes. But yeah. it, it was End kind of, of an weird. era. First of all, let me just say that the fans did not know. 
So we had no idea. I didn't, I didn't know until I came home and watched that. We stayed for like five innings. It was freezing cold and raining. I said, all right, I got the free tickets. I'm going to make the trip down there, but I'll be damned if I'm going to stick around till 1030 at night and watch the end of the game. But I did notice, dog, before the game, I just kind of offhandedly made a comment to uh, my wife and sons who were at the game. I said, hey, man, big crowd down there. What the heck's going down on the field? And it turned out apparently that's where all the reporters were talking to Ozzy Gee. But how about that? I was there. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it is a historic game. It's about, about the most important game the White Sox played all season long. I, uh, I'm not with you on that, but you and Dave feel that way, okay? Uh, I, what, what was a more important game this this whole entire season? When the season is done, what is everybody going to talk? They're going to talk about game 160. All they'll talk about about this season. I, I'm still not feeling that particular love. They could talk about maybe some of the Detroit Tiger games from. Oh, when when they got blowed out, sixteen nothing in the. Yeah, <laughs> okay, or, you got a point. I guess you got a point. Or even a couple of the closer ones were, uh, you know, early in the season where the bullpen failed them, or and the bullpen was pretty good for a big chunk of the middle of the season, but there were a couple of critical games down the stretch when they still had a chance when the bullpen imploded, but. Uh, all right, so I, so I should save the ticket stub for that game. Is that what you're saying? I would definitely save the ticket stub for that game. It's the last. I mean, legitimately, how many people were at that ball game last night, Coach? <laughs> Plenty of good seats available. I don't know. I heard okay. someone estimate 2,500. More than that, I'm going to say like 5,000 paid, maybe 6,000. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, there's not going to be a lot of people that could say I was there. Okay. <laughs> no. And no one's going to believe me if you said you weren't. No, it was uh, around the stadium when we got there. There was the, uh, what's the homeless newspaper? The Streetwise Salesman. Yeah. And then some guy tried to buy a couple tickets off us. I'm like, what are you, you going to do, resell the tickets for this game? Give me a break. But uh, that guy was there. Got two. Who needs two? <laughs> yeah. But now, was... I, I used to go to September games when I lived in uh, in Canaryville all the time, Coach. Yep. Like on a Tuesday night, I was like, heck yeah, what else is there to do? There's no football game on. The Max Tuesday games didn't start up yet. And would always go see a contending team mm-hmm. in September. I mean, it was it would be awesome to be great. 2,000 people in the stadium. The bear lines are extremely short during those yes. particular days. Yes. Oh, my goodness, Coach. I can't even tell you. I go there with some of my buddies. We always used to go September 17th, which is half St. Patrick's Day. And... <laughs> It's awesome. It's one of the best days to go because uh-huh. that that's usually a pretty decent crowd, like 20,000 people out there, and we're all dressed in green, and it is a fest of – oh, it's, it's, You mean there's actually a large group of Chicagoans that, that you're being serious when you say celebrate the half? 100% serious, Coach. <laughs> I know there's a lot of traditions out there uh-huh. that, you know, that you don't know about. And you tell me about stuff I don't know. Like the other day, I was talking to this uh, young lady, and she's like, oh, I'm going to critical mass. I can't go to your – to your, uh, what do you call it, your tour on Friday. And I'm like, really? What, what is Critical Mass? Is that like a new band that I've never heard of? I look them up <laughs> and it's, you know, it's a massive bike rally that goes on for the, every last Friday of every month in the city of Chicago and all around the world. I've never even heard of this. I've been riding the bike for like three years now. Interesting. You've cool. ever even heard of that, Coach? I have not. Critical Mass. Sounds like it'd be a, a fun partake. Yeah, so believe it or not, there's a tradition at Comiskey Park, U.S. Cellular Field, that on September 17th, they're playing a home game. The White Sox wear their white and green jerseys uh-huh. on the field. You know, it's not just like it's a, like a, like, I mean, they actually make it an official. This is half St. Patrick's Day, and people, it's fun, coach. It's without a doubt the best game to go to all year for the. 20,000 fans and beer sales uh, do pretty well that particular evening, huh? They, 
They do well, and every single Irish White Sox fan comes out, and every uh-huh. every single green hat, uh, they're pretty cool. Though. Speaking of beer sales, great line from, and I told him I'd use it on the show, or I'd relate, you know, I'm not going to steal his line, but uh, Glenview Louie. Glenview Louie, buddy of my uh, uh, son, 18, 17 years old maybe, and the guy's very, uh, now sort of similar to yourself, Pinto. He's a sports fan, but with uh, in, in surprising knowledge of world affairs, uh, et cetera. We were talking about uh, the United Nations meeting last week where Muhammad uh, or uh, Bachmar Ahmadinejad made oh, the speech. I'm sure that. you heard about it, where he started firing on the United States, implying a little bit that 9-11, you know, those buildings wouldn't have fallen down by just the airplane crash. Yada, and he started getting to more, uh, you know, of that ridiculous conspiracy stuff. And as he did, I think this was last week, might have been the week before, uh, more and more of the United Nations members started walking out. And like three quarters, by the end of his speech, three quarters of the United Nations members had walked out on his speech. And Glenview Louis said, yeah, it looked like uh, a Chicago Cubs game after the seventh inning when they stopped selling beer. <laughs> <laughs> Is he a White Sox fan? You know, I'm not sure. Okay, you know, because we take way too much abuse as a Cub fan. So if he's a Cub fan, I, I think it's funny. The White Sox fan, I want to say that he's a jerk. Okay, so I'll let you know that right now. All right. Hi, now, I know you're not an avid White Sox fan, but uh, talk about it real quick here, Ozzie Guillen. And again, uh, folks out there, you want to chime in, 888-463-6748. Love to hear from you, 888 Big Dog and a coach at your service. Big Dog, your thoughts on, uh, after an eight-year run, Ozzie Guillen with two games left in the season, he appears to be headed to Florida. Yeah, you know, all the rumors were going out there, like, oh, he was traded to Florida, he was traded to Florida, and then it comes out, and I watched the press conference, I actually changed a football game, human beings running into each other at full speed for the news, <laughs> so obviously I, I must have been a little bit affected, Coach. And uh, Ozzie Guillen says, maybe this is the biggest mistake I've ever made. Maybe I'll look back and say I didn't really realize what I had. So I was like, oh, did he resign? And that's right when I realized it, like right at the beginning, he admitted it. He's like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm taking a chance here. So it's, he, it's his decision. So, hey, Ozzy, you want it out of Chicago? So, hey, you know, I, I'm with you. I understand, like, there's sometimes you have to, you can't work with the place anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you've been working with Kenny Williams for eight years, eventually there comes a time when you can't, can't take it anymore. And I will guarantee you, if you want my feelings on it, if Kenny Williams, for some reason, stepped down as a GM yesterday or the day before, I think he is still manager of this team. Nah, not so sure about that. Contract. Not so sure about that. You don't think it has to do with the fact the Florida Marlins most likely going to offer the guy like $16 million for four years, a significant pay increase? I thought that was the main reason. I, I really think the Florida Marlins organization is out of their minds. Well, that's a different issue. This. i got to talk about this, you know. Well, you're right. Okay, yeah. So they're going to throw 16 million at this guy, four million a year. When the, I know they're getting their new park, and they probably are going to be making more money than they used to. But still, Florida fans don't go to any type of sporting events. Okay, they're going to the most expensive person on their roster is going to be their manager at four million dollars a season. And uh, please don't take this the wrong way, Pete. They honestly are saying, oh, we'll bring in a Latin manager, and now we'll have Latin people come to the yeah, ball. And that's, and that's, that's never happened. It's, yeah. They've tried this before. It did not work, okay? But they, you, they you, you kind of switch topics on us, and I, and I agree with what you're saying. But just to finish up the point on why Ozzy left, don't you think, if in fact the, that rumor is true, 
that it wasn't so much, you know, oh, the Kenny Williams conflict. I mean, that was going on, but he might have come back with that. But if one group is going to offer you that much more money, I think it was a financial decision. I, I truly don't think it's 100% about money because I, I will guarantee if the White Sox had one more quality starting pitcher and they had a lot less uh, big, dumb, slow guys in their lineup that, you know, <laughs> hack and miss all the time, and Ozzy felt like they could make another run at a World Series title, I don't think he'd be leaving, no matter what the money was, mm-hmm. honestly. I, I feel that. So I'm not trying to act like the guy's a saint or anything. But, you know, more money, $4 million, so that's what, about $2 million more a year than he's making it's, in Chicago? Uh, it's significant, and that's that's was the purpose of some of his meetings with Jerry Reinsdorf, to see if, you know, and I agree with Reinsdorf, you know, no, you, we'll keep you around, Ozzy, but we're not going to increase your salary. But, and it, you know, Ozzy didn't fire on Reinsdorf. He said he completely understood it, so I... I thought it was a pretty logical conclusion, but uh, a lot of and, the press uh, are making it up pretty big. Now, I, I, you know, flying from Chicago to Venezuela is pretty far. You know, Venezuela to Miami was, was the, wait, an hour? It's a hop, skip, and a hookah. It's right over the Gulf of Mexico, right where, I mean, that's not so bad because it, it you know, curls around. It's, I will bet you that's an hour plane flight from Miami to Venezuela. As long as you don't go on a recognizance mission to uh, feed the hungry in Nicaragua, I think you're all good. Well, is that bad? Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, no, I was alluding to uh, what happened to Roberto Clemente, my favorite what, baseball what player. Was it Nicaragua or, or El Salvador? Uh, I believe it was what? Nicaragua, but uh, okay. at any rate, at any rate. By the way, the guy you were alluding to, uh, Adam Dunn, who I think, you know, for the most part, in one of the worst seasons ever, has handled himself well. Last night, he did get to play and uh, walked on four pitches the first time up, and then now uh, we were. Privy enough to see him strike out the next two times up. It's unbelievable. Did he, did he, did he acknowledge the crowd when he walked? Did he take his hat off? No. Helmet off? It's, and just, like, it's, it's, it's sad to see uh, you know, a guy that was such a competent player just completely has no clue what to do with the bat. I mean, it's like watching a high school kid. It really is. It's like watching a high school kid trying to battle a major league pitcher. I don't mean that humorous. That's just that's it's fascinating that a great athlete. We saw that with second baseman in the past, a couple of Steve Sachs and I. I forget the other guy who just couldn't even throw to first base. The, the, what do they call it? The yips. Yeah. Adam Dunn's got the yips at the plate. Yeah, and having the yips at the plate, you know, throwing a ball from second to first is hard enough. Trying to hit a major league pitch. Yep. Oh my goodness! And I wasn't just talking to Adam Dunn when I was talking like big slow guys that strike out all the time because. Yep. And I didn't mean to throw allude to Paul Konerko because. If you hit 300 with three, uh, 35 home runs, I don't care how slow you are. Especially, you know, that's, those are good numbers. But the rest of their team is not exactly the, the Ozzy Gian make contact, go first to third, right. you know, type players that he's mm-hmm. been begging for. So maybe, maybe it is. I, I do think Kenny Williams has stuff to do with the coach. I really don't think mm-hmm. he gets upset that he keeps on asking for a certain okay. type of, of player and he keeps on being handed. Guys with fifteen million dollar contracts that are—he's like, you know what? I'll, have, I'll go to where a guy gets paid a million dollars a year, but they can catch the ball and they can run first to third, but they're only going to hit eight home runs a season instead mm-hmm. of thirty-five. All right, so you're implying it's more approach to the game and who controls that than it is. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, that it is finance. It's very interesting. Get White Sox fans out there. You want to chime in? Eight 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 four six three sixty seven. 48, the phone number. I think most Sox fans, even the ones that like Ozzy, uh, not all, big dog, but most have the approach that, hey, you know what, he did a good job, but you know what, it is time for a change. I don't think Ozzy Gain is the problem. I think the Rockers I didn't say the that. I said I think most White Sox fans have that 
And I could be wrong, but I think most feel that way. That it's just, all right, it's time for a change anyways. Well, I, I don't know. You know what? It's, I think it's similar <laughs> to uh, the way Bears fans thought about Dicka. They liked the intensity. They liked them. They liked them really in your face. They knew they were going to get the most out of the players. I wouldn't say that most White Sox fans think that, yeah, well, it's, it's, we're going to miss them, but it's time to go. I don't think so. Okay. I didn't say players. Fans. Fans. No? Okay. And, the difference, by the way, with Mike Ditka, we actually understood what he was saying. Oh, well, when Mike Ditka got fired, you know, I guess if the one guy walked away and the other person was fired. So mm-hmm. I guess if you're a White Sox fan and you're like, hey, if he doesn't want to be here, yes, it is time to go. Yeah. So there, there's a huge yeah, Ditka was back got fired in the... at the city. Ooh, oh, my goodness. That was – I'll never forget that, Coach, how people reacted. People like me were like, it's about time. Yep. And then there were other people. Oh yeah, the, the, like oh they killed us, they killed God's only son. The Ditka love was downright unhealthy oh. at that point. You had the whole conflict with Mike McCaskey. Have you noticed, by the way, as we go through the different stages of McCaskies, it's sort of like the evolution of man. That they are. No, no, it's I, very I slow. Just, it's very slow. George McCaskey running the program now. He's a little bit better. I think if we keep moving up the McCaskey food chain, big dog. uh Maybe your great-grandchildren might actually see a competent McCaskey, but slowly but surely they are getting better. I really wish somebody that, that we can figure out <laughs> someone that still has the name Hallis to get him back in. Uh, Is there any way? Do you see during the Bear game when they showed some of the clips of the old Bear Pack rivalry and there was the sport, not sport-coated, but over-coated George Hallis out there uh, on the sidelines? Uh, coach, like legitimately? I, I, that's what I should go as Halloween this year is George Allen. <laughs> well, I like that. One of those coats, the hat, yes. and the glasses. And that's doable, too. Yes. And, and you I'm got going, the shaved head. I like that. And I'm going as Papa Bear Hallis. So uh, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to grow up. Oh, and I got a great idea. Hold What's on. That? I got a great idea. We'll put coattails on your coat, and I'll be a McCaskey, and I'll be hanging on to your coattails. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be good? That's not bad, Coach. I, <laughs> I like it. I, I, I haven't dressed up in years. I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. determined to dress up for Halloween this year. I, I really am. So. There's a couple of emailers just uh, text or emailed in. Uh, can, can I hang on the Joel's coattails instead? I don't know. By the way, we had an email come in a couple of minutes ago when you dissed Florida a little bit. Uh, Fine Fanny from Florida. Uh-huh. Fine Fanny says, tell Joel that uh, there is one sold-out sporting event in Florida. It's called the NSWS. What's that? The National Shuffleboard World Series. Woo! Like, apparently they packed the lawn for that one. Uh, that's, yeah, there's not. Actually, the, the best uh, sporting attractions in southern Florida is the backyard uh, underground fight. You know what I'm talking about, Coach, no. on the Internet? No. Oh, my goodness. stuff! So, it's... It's huge in South Florida where, you know, like, they'll, they'll, what do you call it, flash mob, and they'll be like, hey, let's meet at so-and-so. Next thing you know, 500 kids show up. They pay 10 bucks each to get in, and then there's, like, fights between, like, the local celebrities, a oh, bunch boy. of guys that can't get real jobs beat the crap out of each other. That's not good. Oh, I, I legitimately, like, so the, no one's going, to, it's, I swear to you, they just did an E60 on this. They start showing these guys in the backyard, I'll show up on this flash mob. Okay, coach? Wait, they but how do you, back. is it YouTubed or how do you, how are you actually able to view it? Well, no, well, you would just go there live and then you pay 10 bucks to get okay. in someone's backyard. 500 people show up. That's 5,000 bucks. They pay the fighters 100 bucks each and it costs you what about, 
you know, a couple hundred bucks in security for your the friends that you trust, you know what I mean? And then you block off, like, an area. Mm-hmm. And, like, legitimately, they'll get 500 people in a second. They'll show, like, three fights, and the fights are ridiculously grotesque. And, you know, they'll videotape them and all that, and then they move on and they go somewhere else. So all of a sudden, you'll know, like, oh, there's going to be a fight this weekend, and all of a sudden you'll get a, mm-hmm. a, a, a tweet, and it'll be like, so-and-so meet there. And, like, yeah. the cops will show up, and it'll be too late, and it's it's... It's crazy, Coach. But the other day, they E60 did a documentary on this. They're showing all these people show up. They back off of the fight, okay? And they keep on, so they, they're like in a helicopter, and they keep backing off. And next thing you know, uh, pro player Land Shark Joe Robbie Stadium is in the background, okay? And it was only like three blocks away, and they panned into it. There was more people at the fight than in the ballgame. That's sad. That's it. Basically, I there were more people in the ballpark, but I swear it looked like a bigger crowd in this dude's backyard mm-hmm. than there was at a major league baseball yeah. game. So basically, these two guys are beating on each other just to make uh, maybe what two hundred and fifty, five hundred bucks. No, no, no. Like uh, the winner got one hundred and fifty, the loser got fifty. Not thousand, but just one hundred and fifty. One hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that's, that's not good. Not good. It's it's, it's truly amazing, coach. Now it's. That's the that's the human condition, uh, not at its worst, but uh, pretty down low. The the the, the chain. Yeah, it's like it's human cockfighting, is what you. Yeah, that's that's when you first started describing it. That's what I thought we were talking about the only sold out sporting event in Florida. I thought that's <laughs> what you were talking about. That of the National Shuffleboard World Series, which you don't want to miss, by the way. It's very very and, exciting. And I've also heard something about Miami sports that it's been heartbreaking. And I think it was you who told me. Oh. Or maybe it was somebody else, but. I had a real fun weekend. High lie is fixed. The sport high lie. Oh yeah, I told you that. Absolutely. I but didn't know that. That was like you was like you put a high lie like yeah. right through my heart. But it doesn't bother anybody. The people in Florida know it's fixed, but they don't know who's going to win, so they still happily bet. And uh, it really, it, it's it's so accepted over the years that um, I don't think it bothers anyone. But absolutely, it's fixed. I gotta yeah, tell you, if sorry I to me, disappoint if you. I bet I did, and then found out some chump <laughs> through a game on purpose. Okay, <laughs> I wouldn't be too happy about it. All right, big deal. Real quick, let's go out to the phone lines. We have a special guest checking in. He really is. He's become so well renowned. He's a man who really needs no introduction. So that's exactly what we're gonna give him. No introduction. Pigskin boy checking in on line number fourteen. Our favorite Chicago Bear fan, Pigskin. Good morning. Hey, special guest, coach. That's nice. Oh, absolutely, Pigskin. Every guest, every caller here in our two guys in a mic show is a special guest. We treat you. We put out the red carpet for one and all. Oh God, I'm tearing up. Yeah, just make sure you don't <laughs> crap all over the red carpet. Uh, let's see, Pigskin, we got to talk a little uh, Bear Packer and then looking ahead. I think it's fascinating this week where Ron Rivera, the man who was let go by Lovey Smith, comes back to coach his Carolina Panther against the Bears. So I think that's going to be uh, kind of fun, but I know you're a Bear fan. I'm pretty sure you were at the game. Your thoughts as you watch the uh, the orange jerseys run around the field on Sunday? Well, I think I spoke to you a couple days ago. Um, there's such a difference between the Packers and the elite teams and where the Bears now, it's not even close. The Packers are so much better um, and so much smoother. Um, I just think it was obvious. I I was surprised the game was even that close. They tend to play Rodgers pretty well, Coach. But if you look around the league at the elite teams, if there are elite teams, I mean, heck, if the Patriots can get beat by Buffalo in a tremendous game, um, 
I just I just think the Bears are just not there. I don't know if this offense is right for this team. I just don't think it's the right offense for this team. They don't have the critical pieces that you need to run this offense. Well, look, Kurt Warner? Well, Warner and offensive line and wide receivers, other than that. No, you know, you, everything you said was, was right on Big Skin Boy. Uh, the, the one thing they have to do is, I don't agree that they're totally better as in terms of talent. Yes, obviously Aaron Rodgers is spectacular, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league, and they do have a better wide receiving core. But if you look at the rest of the talent, I, I think they're even. So you're right, they're playing they're much smoother, and they're much, much better than the Bears. So that comes down to flat-out coaching, and which means that I think Mike Marks should be fired today. He should be, his pink slips should be handed to him, and they have to fire him. You couldn't be more right this offense. Is so wrong for the talent that is suited on the Chicago Bears. They can no longer. Somebody, Jay Cutler is going to get killed, and Levy Smith's going to have a lawsuit from the Cutler family. I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's, this, it's, it can't go on anymore, guys. Um, I agree, uh, Joel. You know, I heard something. I don't know if I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, Coach, um, and I think it's critical. Um, last year, the Bears were number one in the entire NFL in starting field goal and starting field position because of Esther and Daniel Manning. Yeah. And therefore, they didn't have as far to go down the field, obviously. When, However, they were dead last in the NFL when they had to start at the 20. And that tells me that this offense, this team, is not geared to go to the field. Mm-hmm. They'll pick the ball out of the end zone every single time. If the Bears don't start on the 35 or 40-yard line like they did last year almost every series, they're dead in the water. In defense, in defense of Michael Rodriguez, Marks, let me just remind you two, uh, um, loyal and passionate Chicago Bear fans that were complaining now, and you know, the last two years about Mike Mart, we complained strongly about the Ron Turner offensive years, which numbered four or five. We complained even stronger about the John Shoops era, which lasted maybe a year or two. And we complained equally strong about the Terry O'Shea one year that was a disaster, so. You know, this has been going on for nine or ten years, folks. Maybe there's a trend here that goes beyond Mike Martz. How come it seems like the Houston Texans or the Steelers or the Cardinals or the Eagles can always hire an offensive coordinator that it, that can get it done, Coach? You know, it's, it's, you're exactly right. I'm, I'm sick of complaining about it. Maybe Jerry Angelo needs to go also. We, there, there, we get no offensive talent, and we can't get a coordinator that can do anything with the little talent that we have. See, I, I, you know, I'll be the first to admit when Mike Marks got hired, even though personally I find him a little egotistical and smarmy, I said, oh, finally, finally, after Shoops and O'Shea and five years of Ron Turner was such a nice guy. But, I mean, I think the best way I described it last year was you for a defensive coordinator – on Bear Week, it was a vacation week because you knew exactly Ron Turner never put any surprise plays. It was very easy to defend. So I was excited about Mart's coming. You know, I'll throw the ball down the field, stretch it out a little bit, spread them out, get creative. But it hasn't worked out that way just yet. But um, just to give a different perspective on it, you know, we thought Mike Mart's would be something different and something we haven't had for a while, a little more aggressive offensively. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so done with this whole. You know, we know what really matters is whether you win or lose. And also, when you're losing, coach, and you lose the same way that you repeatedly lose by, with your quarterback getting pounded and you not running the ball either effectively or enough or both, then 
you know, it's the, it's the same story every week. Then you got to figure, you know, maybe it's the offensive game plan again because it's not like they, they score 35 and lose. I mean, when they lose, their offense gets absolutely pummeled, and it's an embarrassment as a Bears fan. So you think we should have run more last game after rushing, uh, what, 11 times for a whooping 13 yards? Uh, I just want to let you know, yes, we should have run more, okay, because quite simply, the Packers last year were 32nd in average yards rushed per attempt. There should have been a little bit more emphasis on the fact that they only put two defensive linemen in the game and put nine defensive backs, basically, and just run around with a bunch of speed. You know what? you got to be determined. Say, if you're going to do that to us, forget it. We're going to put all our tight ends on the field, and we're going to slam at your five yards at a time. Instead, Mike Marks yeah. is like, oh, it didn't work on first down, so we're just abandoning the run. Eleven times, coach, for 13 yards, that doesn't mean anything to me. Twelve could have been, might have meant they got 50. Mm-hmm. And like you said yesterday, Pigskin Big Dog yesterday on our uh, award-winning Monday show, by the way, tremendous show, said that, hey, you know, go old-fashioned. Put the kid Klotz. What is his first name? Tyler? Klotz. Huh? Well, no, I'm just going with Klotz, Coach. That's, Put, I don't forget his first name. I'm just going to go with Klotz. No, nah, that's Red Klotz, a famous Washington yeah. general uh, team captain. This is Klotz. But okay. put Klutz as the up back and feed the ball up the middle and let your offensive lineman hit B.J. Raja and then let Klutz hit him again and let Forte or follow behind the left and right gluteus maximus of the fullback, Mr. Klutz. Yeah, actually go fullback and, and tight end. I have no problem with yeah. that. Pigskin, Pigskin, what do you I, I, think? A little, little, would that have worked a little bit more effective, you think, against the pack? I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know, Coach. You know, the one good thing is it's only week three and they're one and two. Um, they're not 0-7. They're not 1-6. We'll be fine. Moving over. Um, they have some very winnable games. We knew these first three games were against three really good NFL champions caliber teams. Mm-hmm. So now that this is somewhat out of the way, we can be a little more, you know, optimistic. I heard just, you know, a lot of doom and gloom. This is not week 15. It's only week three. And you see how many players in the NFL, elite players, are done for the season already. Injuries have a way of making everything come back, and usually the teams that aren't injured the most do the, do, do pretty well. As the Bears found out last year, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, the Packers didn't have a lot of injuries, but usually when the Bears are really good, like like Super Bowl good, if you look if you look back at them, they just never have any serious injuries. Or if they do, it's for a game or two. It's never for seven games for the year. I mean, Tennessee lost Kenny Britt the second-best receiver in the NFL for the year on Sunday. Uh, Jamal Charles out for the year. Vic will eventually be out for the year. So, you know, things can come back to you. If you look at, at Bears' quality seasons, 2010, 06, 05, 2001, 85, they were pretty healthy those seasons. They were extremely healthy. Now, obviously, in 85, McMahon missed a bunch of games, and obviously in 06, their best football player, Tommy Harris, got his knee devastated, and, He's been out ever since, you know, that particular injury, and that really hurt the Bears against the Colts that year. But yeah, they, it, whoever is healthiest will will have the most effective season. Now, I'm gonna, I, I don't mean to add doom and gloom. I, I, it isn't the fact that they're one and two picks in it. It's just I have been absolutely disappointed by the way that they have lost and the way and to be beat up and let Cutler get killed again, which was an issue coming into the season. That's why I'm upset. Now, I'm going to say something to you guys. And I know Coach is going to get upset. But I look at this game against Carolina Panthers as a must-win game. They have to be 2-2 two and two after the first four. They cannot lose to the Carolina Panthers at home and go to 1-3 and three in a division with the Lions and the Packers in it. It's as simple as that. I, I'm calling this a must-win game. 
Pigskin, before I uh, question his authority, your comments on that? Uh, if you lose to the Panthers, you got real trouble. And I do think that, sadly, the, the Bears may have killed Jay Cutler's career because he's in the prime of his career right now. And if, he stay, if they stay like this, um, his best, most prosperous NFL days will be long gone. They're killing one of the best quarterbacks they've ever had. But pretty soon he's not going to be able to play anymore. He's not going to go to another team as a third stringer. You only have so many years to make it in the NFL, and, and, and Cutler's not happening in you know, his stay here. Yeah. Talking to a couple, way, uh, of, couple of Jay Cutler apologists here, the big dog, Joel Redwanski, and Pigskin Boy, everybody's... Oh, Jake, go get a block for Jake Cutler. And if we had the right offense for Jake Cutler, stop it already. Actually, last Sunday, Big Dog, uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago, I agree with you. Last week, the block, pass blocking anyways, was not that bad. Cutler had time. He looked good in certain moments. He's got the strong arm, yada, yada, yada. But he throws interceptions. He throws the ball away. His attitude still stinks. I know the players... All speak highly of him and stand behind him. I see that, but when I see him on TV, there's just something I do not like about Jay Cutler and his attitude. And everybody keeps, uh, you know, making excuses for his lack of performance. Well, we're two years and three games in the lack of performance. If you're a good quarterback, start to show it. I haven't seen it yet. You two apologists. There, there, there is no reason to put all the blame on him. Who's, who, well, I'm not saying is like the greatest quarterback ever. But if you look at this offense, it is so abysmal that uh, the fact that people have been piling on this guy, I think, is a little bit ridiculous. I don't think people have been piling on. I think people, it's quite the opposite. I think people are making apologies. It's time for Cutler to step up and start moving the chains a little bit. Well, the fact that it's third and 11 every single series, I think has yeah. a lot more to do with Mike Marks than it does to do with Jay Cutler. Well, I, I think it has just... a lot more to do with... Uh, bums like Johnny Knox, who cannot catch a ball. Or Johnny Knox had a decent game well, yesterday, or Sunday. If you say decent game, yes. two drops, and both of them on third down. How many drops? Two. I only recall one. He had two drops. One of them would have been a 50-yard gain, and it was on third and 15, and it was the yeah. best throw color made all day long. I'm not so sure about that. I thought Johnny Knox actually had three or four good catches. He had one bad drop, but I thought he actually played a fairly decent game. He was I, a- I couldn't disagree with you more. I, I, when I watched that, he runs bad routes. There's balls that he doesn't even try for. He, he has got to go. That guy is the first guy I would cut. I will say, Pixie, I don't know if you you were at the game, Pig? Uh, no. Oh, okay. So maybe you heard Troy Aikman, who uh, you know I think is very, very good, brought up a great point when they showed him the replay where Johnny Knox made a real nice cut, and he likened it to Jermichael Finley's cut to get open in the first touchdown, which just froze the defender in his tracks and got open. But Aikman made the point, once you make the cut and beat the defender, you need to accelerate mm-hmm. and keep running to get yourself open, and Knox did not do that. Aikman brought that point up. I thought it was pretty good. One of the reasons the Bears don't gain is the big dog has achieved in his uh, marital life separation. Separation has been a problem for years, Coach. You were talking about this going back five years ago, um, about the Bears' inability to separate. And if, if, you, if you want to know what we're talking about, watch the Red Zone or any game on Sunday and watch some of their receivers as compared to ours. That's the best way, I think, to explain it. Watch which teams? Big go. Yeah. Go ahead. Watch which teams? Oh, watch. You know, teams. Watch like uh, 
you know, Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson, uh, Britt when he was healthy. Just watch their receivers, how, how open they get. Yeah, even though, yeah, there's the number one receiver, somehow they figure out a way when they run their route to, to run them in a way where they position themselves in an area where only the quarterback can throw the ball and then only an area where they can catch it and then also explode and drive past everybody and actually get separation between you and the defender. Longtime Chicago Bear fan, Pigskin Boy, joining us here on the show. Pig, great to hear from you as per always. Give us a quick prediction. I like your optimism, by the way, as disgusted as you are. Not disgusted, mm-hmm. but disappointed with the one and two. I like your optimism looking ahead. Give us a, a quick prediction for this Sunday. Ron Rivera, it's at Soldier Field, correct? Yes. All right, returns to Chicago. We all know Rivera coached the uh, Super Bowl team and, of course, a longtime player for the Chicago Bears, popular guy. What happens this Sunday? Oh, you asking me? I'm asking Pigskin Boy. Oh, the special guest. Um, I like the Bears in this game because I don't think Carolina is is it's not as bad as they look, but I don't. I still don't think they're very good. I think the Bears will have a sense of of, of really desperation, as Joel said, to, to, to need this game. I, I think you're going to start. Cam Newton's kind of like a, a, a first-time starting pitcher. Once you go around the league a couple of times, they'll start to catch on to him. I mean, he can fling it, but um, I, I like the Bears in this one. I like him to turn it around. I don't think they're going to score a lot of points, mm-hmm. but I, I like him to turn it around, yeah. and then I think they got a bye week. All right, let's hope so. Two and two will rest up and uh, get ready for Northwestern after that. <laughs> I, I got him, uh, let's see, 60, 60, 63 to 2. <laughs> Beautiful. Pigskin for being our guest on today's show. We're going uh, Cub Retro Day today. We are going to get you a Danley Lumber Garage for being the guest today. Oh, oh my God. Can I get- <laughs> Where would you like the garage, son? Oh, I'd love a Danley Garage. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe get down with my Empire Carpet. <laughs> You remember the old Cub games when they have like Jose Cardinal on as the pregame guest, and they'd actually they'd actually roll out a portable garage and like Jose, here's your Danley Lumber Garage. Congrats! And Jose's like, ah, oh, thank you very much. What the hell do I do with the garage? Oh goodness! But uh, we'll, we'll 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 send a garage to you, Charlie, and uh, if you want to give it away, you can. Okay. I'm not going to give away a garage if you give it to me, Coach. That would yeah. be rude. Yeah, you can never have too many garages. Just. Uh, Put it in your driveway, and then you can have a double garage. Put it in your work parking lot. That's awesome. (laughs) Put it work and put it in the garage. Oh, good. Hey, the umpire carpet man passed away, correct, about a year ago? 180. No, it wasn't even a year ago. It was was like two months ago. Ah. That's probably why we didn't hear from Pigskin Boy. Probably was going through some rough times. All right, Pigskin, keep your uh, chin up and your other body parts up as well. All right, Bears will win next Sunday. Well, thanks for having me. Go Bears. Thanks for being had. Bears. There it is, big dog, pigskin boy, arguably one of our favorite guests here on the show. Go ahead and argue if you want. Yeah, yeah don't. Uh, I'm not going to argue that. Now, <laughs> don't act like I'm all gloom and doom. I'm just a little upset that yeah. in the biggest rivalry game at home, they they laid such an egg. And stuff that we talked about, uh, coaches making adjustments at halftime and stuff like that, was another fatal issue of the Bears. They, they came out at half. And it was just like, oh, no, it's even worse than the first half. You know, mm-hmm. you were like, oh, they got to do something different, right? And they didn't. It's like you can game plan for the Bears basically saying, hey, we're going to do this in the first half, and they're not going to adjust to it. We can continue to do this in the second half, and we're also going to do more things. That's been a problem, game adjustments, really, through the Dick Geron era, uh-huh. uh, through the Dave Wanstead era. 
and through the Lovey Smith there, that's one of those consistent things, sort of like offensive play call that we've complained about for a lot of years, really since since Buddy Ryan and Mike Ditka, I think we've been complaining about halftime adjustments. It really has been. We haven't had a guy that made good adjustments right. ever. So that's maybe we should. That's how Angelo should start the next thing. Hey, yeah. let me see one of your adjustments here. Mike Ditka, if you watched, if you watched Mike Ditka on the sidelines, he would make adjustments first quarter, second quarter, middle of the third quarter, fourth. I'm not even talking X's and O's, but he'd be adjusting himself all the time. Yeah, no, my uncle actually has a bunch of those pictures. Those, those, you ever see go, go to one of your buddy's houses, a big bear <laughs> fan, they have a, you know, the shrine to Ditka. They got one where he's flipping off the photographer. You got another one where he's throwing bubble gum at a San Francisco fan's head. And he's got another one. He's got like 20 of them where he's grabbing himself on the sideline. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. At least 20 of those. And they're all different. So. Yeah. And then there, does he have one of them grabbing Greg Landry? And I'm not talking about in the adjustment area, but, uh, Ripping the clipboard away from offensive coordinator Greg Landry. I used to always enjoy that. Uh, I don't think anybody ever got an actual photo shot of that. But if they did, my buddy would own it. My buddy would definitely have it. There'd be no question. All right. 888-463-6748. The phone number, two guys and a mic, big dog and a coach. At your service right up until 11 o'clock. Lots to talk about. We talked uh, about Ozzie Guillen. Uh, keep wanting to say getting fired, but uh, resigning from his job as the White Sox manager. A couple games left in the season. Got to talk to wild card races, big dog. Unbelievable what's going on with the Boston Red Sox. And, uh, and the Steve Bartman. Steve Bartman documentary is on tonight. I gotta check with David Olson, our media guys on the phone right now. I think it's at seven o'clock on ESPN tonight. It's called Catching Hell. David, I think you could check that out. Seven o'clock ESPN tonight. And I forgot this fact, Big Dog. I've got some Bartman history. Yes, you do. You're, you do. you're, yes, David. Slight correction. I think it's called Catching Hell. Isn't That's what it? I said. I thought you said raising hell. Sorry. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Catching hell. Raising hell is a whole other show. Raising Arizona, raising hope. There's too many shows with a raisin in the sun. Uh, but I've got a little bit of up close and personal, and I forgot about one. The picture in the Tribune today advertising the show, I think it's the back page of the sports page, had a very large photo of Bartman reaching out and about five or six of the fans around him. Not only did I cut this kid from freshman B basketball at Notre Dame High School. Uh-huh. Okay, but the sweatshirt that he's wearing, yeah, the sweatshirt that he is wearing, my friend, that is a product of JC Sports and Tees. You get out of here! I kid you not. That's a Renegades sweatshirt. That's the travel baseball team. Bob Ugle, the manager of Renegades, longtime friend, purchased the uh, stuff from JC Sport. He is wearing. You talk about a historical moment. He's wearing a product of JC Sports and Tees, one of our fine sponsors on the show. Hey, Coach, I will let you know. I will always throw that into the into the lore of the Steve Bartman <laughs> incident, which, which you know, my, my stuff's a little different. My, my, that was literally one of the lowest days of my entire life, Coach. I'm yep. not kidding you. Yep. It, had, it, had, it had a little bit to do with the Cubs losing, but, you know, I've told this story many times. I, I thought I almost killed a dog, a bunch of other stuff. It was a low night for me, Coach, legitimately, like way. I, I think I can't watch. I won't be able to watch it tonight, legitimately. Read so the, uh, get, get the Tribune, even if you don't. Watch the show. I'm going to watch it or tape it. I think I, uh, and again, Bartman's not on it, but they interview the people around him, some friends and associates. It's supposed to be pretty cool. But uh, get the Tribune today, Big Dog. Read the back page of the sports page because uh, they do have some uh, interviews with some people pretty close to him and some about as close to Bartman as you can get. It's kind of a uh, interesting insight. I think you'll find it a fascinating, if not painful, read. Okay. 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 Well, yeah, I'll, I'll read it because. 
I've always felt bad for the kid. Mm-hmm. I really have felt bad for the kid because uh, uh, he wasn't the reason why the Cubs did not go to the World Series in 2003. Alex Gonzalez, Mark Pryor, yep. Kyle Farnsworth, Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker were the reasons why he did not. We did not go to the World Series. We they did not go to the World Series. Yep. No question about it. No question. Catching hell. 7 o'clock tonight on the ESPN Department documentary. I'm sure it'll be on demand as well. Uh, real quick, Big Dog, let's go back out to the phone lines. I'll uh, leave it up to you, Big Dog. We can go to line 3, 6, 9, or 12. For some odd reason, multiples of 3 are lit up today. You make the call, my friend. It's, the 3 is the only prime number, Coach, going there. What about 6? Could be an interesting call on 6. Can you go well, 3? Why don't you say whatever button you want to hit, Coach? <laughs> Out the line, three, Big Dog makes the call. It's caller Rusty checking in. Rusty, welcome to the semi-dysfunctional sports show known as the Two Guys in a Mic Show. How are you, Rusty? I'm doing fine. Good morning, guys. I see you guys are uh, really fit for today and to come up with three good reasons why Ozzie Guillen is now not the manager of the White Sox, right? Yeah, well, uh, I think it has to do with the fact that he doesn't like the roster, he doesn't trust the guy building the future roster, and the fact that he's an hour away from uh, from Venezuela when he's in Miami. How about those three reasons? Any other? <laughs> about four million dollars. Did that sneak in there? Mm, I, I think I think we're all on the on the uh, on the level. Of what's really happening here? Because I think I really think Ozzy came out and said it best in his press conference. I think he came out and said, you know, he wanted something to go his way. Yes, he wanted more money. He wanted things to be the way he wants it to be. And the thing is, I think Jerry Reinsdorf, who we sat down with, and I really thought he came out and said this very well in the press conference yesterday. You know, they sat down, they talked about their best of friends here, and he would have stayed if he thought that he would have done something good enough with the roster that he has, and he didn't do it. He didn't mm-hmm. showcase what this team could do this year. Big dog? I, 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 that's exactly what I said to you earlier. He wasn't a coach that I really think he doesn't like the roster. He's sick of a bunch of slow, fat dudes that can't go first or third. Ozzy wants a team that he knows is going to give him five runs every single day, not one one day and eight the next. He wants five runs a night. So, Rusty, you're saying you agree with Big Dog that it's more about philosophy and style and control over that than it is the I, money I, that Florida's offering. I think there's something more to this. I, I mean, obviously, the door is open for him down in Miami. I mean, you can call it the Miami Marlins because they're going to change the name next season from Florida. But the door is open down there. I mean, he's got the opportunity. I heard what the Marlin fans in the seventh inning last night were chanting for Ozzy already. So mm-hmm. The door is open for him to go down there. And he was down there for a period of years, you know, not as the manager, but helping out with the organization. So, I, I mean, if the opportunity knocks, maybe Florida is, has a better, uh, you know, uh, organization down there with some younger players coming up to make things happen. They've done things for so many years down in Florida to make it look good. So why not make that move and make something better? and take advantage of that situation, go for it in that situation. Yeah. I think there's more that goes on, not just with Ozzy, but I think something's up with Kenny Williams. I don't know if you watched the press conference or caught his talk after when Ozzy talked, but I'll tell you one thing. He, he's a very thoughtful guy. He, he thinks about things, but I think he held back of what he wanted to say on behalf of Ozzy Gian's departure. I think we're going to hear more of what really happened hmm. between Ozzy Gian, Kenny Williams, and well, Jerry Reinsdorf, because well, there's more than meets the eye here. Kenny Williams should be very careful because he's looked he's looked like a jerk many times after departures, like the Frank Thomas one. Mm-hmm. Frank Thomas, I mean, Frank Thomas shouldn't have been released. All that other stuff, you know, and, and the way he treated Frank Thomas on the way out the door was kind of despicable, I thought. And 
you know, so maybe he learned his lesson. Like, and he bit his lip and didn't say anything at this time. Probably the smart reason for him to do that. Yeah, I think it was very smart. A very, I mean, if you had caught any of that thoughts, conversation, he was very thoughtful. He, he basically thought of every single comment or question that was thrown at him, and he answered it very diligently. He handled it very well in that situation. And the, the big question is, what's the next step for Kenny Williams? I mean, is he out the door himself? In the next I would say Mike Lottie might be available. <laughs> what about... Is there a scenario, Big Dog and uh, Carlo Rusty, is there a scenario where Jerry Reinsdorf would say, hey, let's uh, shove it to the Cubs a little bit, and let's take one of the best candidates available, Ryan Sandberg, who, uh, again, coaches minor league team to a championship this year. Would he take Ryan Sandberg as the coach of the White Sox? And to add to that, does Tommy Ricketts see that coming and try to sneak in you know, is there a battle all of a sudden for Ryan wow. Sandberg? Any chance wow. of that scenario? That, well, you know, it's funny you say that, Coach, because I've got a few sources, Uh-oh. a few buddies of mine that believe Ryan Sandberg should jump into that White Sox job. But as you put it there, would Rickett say, hey, wait a minute, you know, we don't want you to do that because I, I'm thinking the only way that Ryan Sandberg can be here in Chicago, or at least on the north side of town, is if you get somebody from Philadelphia like Pat Gillum over here to be the general manager. That's the only well, way I could see that happening, at least on the north side of time. Now, the White Sox go after Ryan Sandberg. Why not? I mean, look what he's done in the Phillies AAA system here. Look how far he's taken that team in one year. Big dog, what do I you think? think? That scenario? Chicago right the World Series. I, 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 Ryan Zorp, I think, would be 100% up for it if he really thought Sandberg was ready to manage in the major leagues. Uh, he, yes, he would be more than willing to put his the middle finger up to the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> Very. I'll tell you what, it sounds like it'd be a great battle through the winter. It sounds like, and maybe in the next month or so, for that matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of stuff written in the papers here in Chicago. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, uh, who's going to go which direction, at least for the Cubs or the White Sox here for Ryan Sandberg. You know, I, I'm sure the money's going to be talking in this situation, guys. I will be, uh, Rusty, joining a, a flash mob, albeit a very small one, at the Billy Williams statue tomorrow, I think it is. Feel free to join me. It's the Keep Mike Quade fan club. I will be there. I think there's another guy named Bert. And uh, if you want to join us, Rusty, you'd be a party of three. You need you need at least 11 people to make a mob, Coach. Well, who knows? Maybe we can pick up, uh, you know, a couple of vendors, one streetwise salesman, a couple of bartenders from across the street, and... You know, whoever else we can drag up, but uh, I'm I'm a card carry member of the Keep Mike Quaddy fan club. I like the guy. Hey, I'm not sure if he's going to be around next season. Oh, I am. Um, he, he he won't be. I I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of the up in the air <laughs> mode here. That you know, basically get, let the judge make the decision because it depends on who will be the GM of the Cubs going into next year. That's the question mark. I don't, I don't even think it's there's that much of a question mark, Big Dog. I think it's. Ninety-seven percent to three percent that Mike Quaddy will not be back. Uh, yeah, I, I cannot imagine a new GM actually keeping him. I can't. I, I would not. I can't imagine it. So, and again, it's not. We have not been critical of Mike Quaddy all season long. Differences, if you think he's the greatest manager in the world, I've been a pretty good supporter of his. But it's just the fact you're going to bring a new general manager in. He's going to want to shake things up, bring in a new environment, and it's best to bring in. Um, a new manager somewhere from the outside. So it's not just so much throw, a shot on Quaddy. Just throwing this out there, because you brought up like what fans are saying. When the, with the like the White Sox fans were like, oh, no, that were around last night, we're like, oh, no. We'll, we'll, there's no way we'll get as good a manager as him. 
And then all the Cub fans I was with at the same time, all of them were at different times. They all said, you know, maybe Ozzy would be good as a Cub manager. So it's, it's kind of funny, Coach, when you were talking about how White Sox fans and Cub fans feel. It's funny how Cub fans, a lot of them, my, my buddies who hated Ozzy, were like, yes, I want him as the manager of the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Interesting. All, all I know is being a Chicago fan these days is not fun, guys. I'll tell you that. Uh, maybe we need to pick another city. I, I don't mean to think of somewhere a little north of Chicago, mm-hmm. around the state line of Wisconsin, or therefore a little further north, just because the Packers and the Brewers look good these days either. Uh, oh, Rusty, get out of here. Whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I didn't say I was transplanting, but I'll tell you one thing. It's not fun around here. The only team that seems to be pushing for the playoffs Around the Chicago area, it might be the uh, soccer team, the Chicago Fire. That's about it these days. Now, you're just trying to kiss butt to half of your listenership up in the <laughs> Wisconsin area. That was, I, I, there is no way for a year or two I would ever trade my. It's good, I'd much rather be a, a Chicago fan sitting here knowing that if they play basketball within the next five seasons, we still have a really young roster set up if we ever get NBA basketball back. And Aaron Rodgers is one concussion away from the the Packers being as good as the Bears. And I'm not trying to wish anything bad on Aaron Rodgers, okay? And when the Brewers find out they have to face uh, Lee, Halliday, Worley, Oswald in the playoffs, uh, Zach Greinke won't be enough for him. And then and then the Brewers lose Prince Fielder. And then seriously, six months from now, uh, Russ, you're going to be like, man, I've, these poor Wisconsin fans, they get totally screwed out of the BCS. The Brewers get blown out of the playoffs <laughs> and then lose Prince Fielder, and Aaron Rodgers yeah. actually spelling his name F-A-V-R-E now. The following so. portion of the show has been brought to you by the Milwaukee Bureau of Tourism. Join us <laughs> up in the city. Just outside of, remember, just outside Chicago is a place called Illinois. I know your angle, Rusty. You're just trying to look good for half your listeners. <laughs> and readers. And readers. Rusty, if, I, if, if I'm correct, and this is the correct Rusty we're talking to, you are a semi-renowned writer up in the uh, northern suburbs of Chicago, correct? That is correct. Uh, you're on target on that one. <laughs> yep. And I know you cover high school sport. i got to relate this one, by the way. One of my, my favorite high school stories of recent. Um, I follow a little bit of the basketball recruiting big dog. There's a kid named Aaron S- uh, Simpson who plays at North Chicago High School, okay? He's been uh-huh. on the varsity since his freshman year. He's rated the, one of the top, only six one, six foot maybe, one of the top six or seven seniors. Anyhow, his basketball coach, you with me, Big Dog? I'm with you. All right. Uh, his basketball coach is also the cross-country coach. Uh-huh. So he gets the kid to come out for cross-country, and the kid's interest in cross-country is for zilch. But, you know, he's running just to keep the, the basketball coach happy. In last weekend's meet, or it might have been the weekend before, they're running the varsity cross-country meet, and all the runners are crossing the line, and... They're missing a guy. They're missing a guy. And, they're, and they're, everybody's checking their charts and stuff. And the head coach for North Chicago said, wait a minute, Simpson's missing. So they go looking for Aaron Simpson. About halfway down the course, they find him underneath the trees talking on the cell phone in the middle of the race. The Illinois State basketball coach called him up, offered him a scholarship. He stopped running the race to accept the scholarship to Illinois State. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's more important, running or basketball at Illinois State? Yeah, that's a kid who's that's a kid who's got his priorities straight. That's, that's big time, coach. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations to the kid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, we should mention that it's the same school that the Atlanta Falcons running back Michael Turner yep. came from. Yep. So we should throw that together. Michael too. the Burner Turner. Northern Illinois or Illinois State? You got it. Well, no, 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 no. Same high school. Rusty's talking about oh, North, Ch- North Chicago High School. Yeah. All right, Rusty, we got to rock and roll. We appreciate the call. And um, hey, 
Ozzy's out. Time for a new era for the White Sox, my friend. I think we vote Big Dog in to be the next manager. He's got my vote. You know what? I would change allegiance and would no longer be a Cubs fan if the White Sox did offer me the manager job. I will admit that. Uh, I'll throw dog's hat in the ring. The only problem is I can't. I got to find a hat with like a seven and five eighths. You got a large cranium, my friend. And you do, you do realize that I am trained in arts of like breaking <laughs> arms and stuff like that, Coach. Yep. Adam Dunn will be out for the season by yeah. April first of next year if I'm manager of the Chicago Cubs. I'm sure. White Sox. I'm sure, you and AJ Persinski would get along famously. I guarantee nobody would have punched him in the face like Michael Barrett did a couple of years ago if I was on, you know. All right. So. All right. Rusty, we appreciate the call, bud. All right. Have a good day, guys. All right. There it is. Rusty checking in. You can too, but you can't do it today, dog. We are flat out of time. Give me 20 seconds on the wild card race. What the hell's happened to the Boston Red Sox? Tampa Bay has tied it up. Uh, we talked early on the Red Sox had the greatest lineup possibly you'd ever seen. Well, guess what, Coach? That lineup doesn't matter even though they're producing because the Red Sox have the worst September ERA in the history of their organization, 1901, by the way, folks. That is why they're tied with the Rays right now with two games to go against the Orioles, and the Rays have two games against the Yankees, and it's up for grabs. By the way, Atlanta still has a one-game lead over the yep. Cards in the, in the, in the National League. Even though they lost. Yes, even though they lost. And the Cards couldn't beat the Astros, which, by the way, the Astros are looking for their third victory of the season. Yep. So, <laughs> Houston beat St. Louis yesterday 5-4. to four. What about the Cardinals at a tie for the wild card? A uh-huh. bunt. They bunted in the winning run in the 10th inning. Tony, St. Tony La Russa, not a happy man last night. So uh, it's going right down to the wire in both those races. Yeah, and they had runners at second or third with no outs wow. in, the, in the top of the eighth inning and got zero runs out of it. Wow. All right, Big Dog, we'll talk some more tomorrow. Be safe out there, and uh, great job as per always, and uh, get your hand off my thigh. That's not my hand. That's not my thigh. Have a great day, buddy. Later. 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 Two guys in a mic, talkzone.com. Later. Have a great day, everybody. David Olson, our producer, phenomenal job as per always. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. We'll mark you tardy.